Y2, green right off, nasty. Hound 2, Y booty, X facing back right on. 580! Green 87! GLIAC Football Weekly starts right now. Now here's your host, Jake Reitma. Oh yes, that's right. It is GLIAC Football Weekly, a special playoff edition of GLIAC Football Weekly. Jake Reitma with you. So glad to have you along. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, yes, the GLIAC Football Playoff Gods have bestowed upon us a rematch. A rematch of the Anchor Bone Showdown between Grand Valley State and the Ferris State Bulldogs. Boy, do we have an absolute treat on our hands this weekend. But I'm Jake Ritma. So glad to have you along for Playoff Football and the Gleeck Football Weekly Podcast. The only, the only show dedicated to the latest and greatest on the gridiron in the Gleeck. And we've got the number one team in the country, the Ferris State Bulldogs, taking on the Grand Valley State Lakers in the second round of the NCAA Division II playoffs. So we had, we absolutely had to have an episode of GLIAC Football Weekly. So what does today's show look like? A little bit different, obviously, playoff edition. But we're going to talk to not one, but two head coaches today. That's right. We've got two featured interviews. And it doesn't take a rocket science. Very, very easy to figure out who we're talking to. Tony Anise, the GLIAC Football Coach of the Year, and Matt Mitchell, the head coach for the Grand Valley State Lakers. We're going to get both of their thoughts on the huge, epic, showdown at top taggart field coming this weekend in big rapids between ferris state and grand valley so i don't want to take any more time i just want to get into it i want to get the thoughts of both the coaches and see what we're dealing with here obviously a huge matchup can't wait to dive into it so first we'll talk to tony anise and on the other side of that we'll talk with matt mitchell here on this playoff edition of gliac football weekly All right, we continue on with our special playoff edition of GLIAC Football Weekly. Pretty big game going on on the west side of the state, and who better to talk to it about than the GLIAC Coach of the Year, Tony Anise. T.A., what's going on, my friend? Uh, How you doing, Jake? I am doing well and better now that you agreed to talk with me, even in the uh, a busy week. I know I probably should have hit you up last week. You guys weren't doing anything during that bye week, right? Yeah, that would have been a lot better. We uh, we actually, I went to went to Aruba on vacation for a full week and <laughs> and uh, took yeah no no we were pretty busy last week so it's uh, about every week is the same. I always say football from August first until it ends. I, I might as well be just a robot because it just. <laughs> Well, we were going through your, yeah, yeah, we were going through your routine a little bit before we hopped on, and uh, you got a pretty good schedule down. Yeah, I like uh, I like the way we do things. We actually uh, practice in the afternoon uh, from eleven to one for the most part. So uh, I like it. It's uh, gives us some flexibility, uh, you know, to to you know do a lot of things that that fit the young young men's schedule. So that's that's really good. No doubt about it. Well, we'll dive in Grand Valley State on the clock. The two remaining teams in the GLIAC alive in the Division II playoffs, Ferris and Grand Valley State. It'll be the second matchup. Ferris won the first one in the regular season in the anchor bone showdown. But first and foremost, I want to kind of back up a little bit. Um, when you guys were doing the the scoreboard watching, so to speak, of the release of what the bracket was going to look like in Super Region 3, obviously you knew you were going to be the number one seed, but were you surprised or 
what was your reaction when the chips fell and you knew that there was a potential second round matchup with Grand Valley? Well, we didn't want to get, uh, we didn't want to get Grand Valley in the second round, nor did we want to get Northwest Missouri State on the second round, nor did we want to get Harding in the second round. <laughs> and uh, we were looking to get a team that was, you know, less than 500, um, but none of those teams made the playoffs. So I'm being a little bit uh, sarcastic here. Um, but, you know, it's it, it in our region right now, we've got, you know, with, with and I don't know if there are national rankings anymore, but with uh, West Florida losing uh, last week and last national rankings I saw, uh, we had four out of the top five in our region. And then West Florida was the, the other, uh, other team of those five. So um, now if they do do a national ranking, uh, the four teams left in our region would be one, two, three, and four. So um, I knew going in that it's going to be a really good team, a really good team. And, uh, and so our region's loaded. Um, and, and so it's, it's going to be challenging. Whoever wins this region, it's going to be a really good uh, football team moving forward. Absolutely. And that's one thing, um, you know, admittedly myself, it's hard to keep a, a, a stranglehold on the entire D2 national landscape throughout the course of the regular season. But now once you start to get into the playoffs, you see that Super Region 3, make no mistake about it, it is far and away the most loaded region. But I know you're and I'll, I'll turn it back to, to Ferris State for a second, a, a one game at a time. I got to believe that's been the message. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's just survive in advance. Uh, you know, no style points on this anymore. You know, it's just one of those things you focus in on every opponent. And uh, like I told my guys today, you know, West Florida lost. They were the 2019 national champs, um, you know, and, and uh, you know, nobody's letting them practice anymore. And uh, so that's just the reality of, of the situation. And we've played, um, you know, we played Harding twice in the last few years. We've actually played Northwest Missouri State three out of uh, the last four years. And so um, we know how great these teams are. Um, so, yeah, it's it's all about focusing on yourself. Uh, you know, I told the guys also today, you know, if I if I look back at, you know, seven years of playoff uh, runs here, um, there's really only one game where I thought potentially the team was just flat out better than us. Um and that was 2016 semifinal game, most likely, even though those guys on that team would probably say, come on, coach, we should have won that game. But, uh, um, you know, truthfully, um, you know, other than that, it's just, you know, you, you want to just go out and play your best and, and let the chips fall as they may, but uh, just go out and play your best. And, and uh, I think everybody probably in our region, um, you know, is proud, proud of what their team has accomplished so far. And uh, so you just go out and just play your best and, and, and see what happens. And this one is more of an opinion question, but looking back at that mid-October matchup against Grand Valley State, I mean, you'd be hard-pressed to find, I mean, we're biased GLIAC guys, but hard-pressed to find a better scene in Division Two. And do you think that factored into the committee's decision to want to have that, uh, that spectacle again as early as possible? I don't, I don't know about having that, that spectacle, uh, again, um, you know, part of, you know, I don't know if you know this, Jake, but part of the deal of, uh, fans and college football, they're looking for a big party. 
And uh, <laughs> what are you talking about? Come on. <laughs> in September, that party is pretty cool. In early October, that party is pretty cool. In later November, uh, not so cool. And so I don't see that anybody's going to think that the fanfare that existed, um, you know, in week seven of the season will exist in the playoffs. Um, I've never been really anybody anywhere in these, these seven years we've been in the playoffs where it was as wild as it was at Lever Stadium on that night. In fact, very rarely have I seen anything like that, period. And so I've, I've given them the credit that they deserve. And I mean, the fans and, and that athletic department at Grand Valley, they, they just, they brought it that day. And so um, I don't know if that fanfare will, will exist uh, in my career uh, ever again. I don't know. It, it was wild. And now we'll talk matchups a little bit. It was a 35-28 victory for you guys. Obviously one that went down to the wire. You guys had a big first half. In a game of that magnitude, one or two plays here, one or two plays there, the margin of error is so razor thin. How much from that matchup can you take in, again, mid-October, now here we are, playoff football late November. What can you take from that matchup to parlay in your game plan for this week? Well, other than, um, you know, their personnel, I mean, we, we feel like we know them really well. Um, they know us really well. So that's, that's a big force. Um, but we've played each other so much that the game gets kind of uh, challenging for, from a, you know, just an execution standpoint, not an execution, but, uh, you know, a system standpoint, you know, um, so you watch their systems and you think, dang, I mean, they're really, really good at what they do. Um, I hope they feel the same about us. And so it becomes a little bit like muddy a little bit. Um, teams know each other really well. Um, but other than that, you know, you just, again, like, uh, you know, they, they've got plays that they want back um, from that game. Um, that first one and we got plays that we want back in that first one. And, and so, um, you know, but, but none of what happened then really matters, you know, um, you know, people, people always talk about, you know, um, you know, playing a team a second time. It's hard to beat anybody the first time. So <laughs> let's not talk about the second time. It's hard to beat a team the first time. And the second time. And if you're playing them the third time, the third time or the fourth time, it's hard to win. And so, um, you know, my my opinion is and I'm telling the guys this, you know, this is the first time, you know, just play it, you know, play it like it's the first time because uh, nothing that happened in the past really matters. Um, This is the playoffs. We have what we have. They're not going to take away. You know, they're not going to take away an undefeated regular season. They're not going to take away um, that GLIAC championship. So now all of that is in the bank. And now it's uh, one of those circumstances where you got to play this game uh, like it's the first time. And, and, and we're not really focused on what happened uh, when, when we played them the last time. We know they're great. Um, we noticed that when we were over, <laughs> over at Lovers. We noticed how physical they are and, and uh, we know how talented they are. So. Other than that, you know, it's uh, it's bring 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 your best uh, foot forward on uh, Saturday. And just the difference, the way that the playoff bracket 
you know, shapes out. You guys obviously with the first round by you're able to rest, kind of recover a little bit. Do you like coming off a buy? I mean, I, there's, you can always do the, does it one week turn into rust or is it uh, more advantageous to get healthy? And meantime, you can watch what Grand Valley is doing in their most recent game. Just what's that approach like? Um, I like a win. And so um, we were given a win. Yeah. That's what the buy is. The buy isn't, oh, let's just be nice to this team. The buy is they are one of 16 left. And so um, I like the win. And I tell our guys that we just, we got handed a win because we had a great regular season. So that's what the buy means to me. And so um, I like that. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, we, we had some guys potentially that wouldn't be playing um, if we had to play last weekend that potentially can play this weekend. So, uh, you know, getting healthy helps. Um, so yeah, I like the buy it's, it's, uh, you know, it's like anything else, you know, it's, it's like uh, golf in 18 holes, but you only have to play nine because they're going to say, Hey, you, you won the first nine. So I'm pretty good at just giving people giving me something for free. So there you they go. gave us a win. They gave us a win. So I like that. Yeah. How is the golf game, by the way? I've heard, I've heard mixed reviews. Oh my gosh. I mean, <laughs> you have not heard mixed reviews. I mean, you're hearing the wrong thing, but um, no, uh, it was as good as it could be because COVID really helped it. Um, you know, uh, people say, Oh, you know, you, you're really playing good golf this summer. I'm like, yeah, because I had in August to September, in October, even in November, like where I played golf in 2020. And uh, so my golf season normally goes from basically uh, June 1st till August 1st. Well, it's hard to be good at the level you want to be good. And so, yeah, I got a lot better having uh, COVID. So there you go. I would yeah, like I felt- yeah, I played a lot more golf because of COVID as well. I just didn't get any better. So I, I need some coaching. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh it's a tough game. I got to play with my players quite a bit, which is always fun. fun. Um, yeah, we have uh, me and Tyler Shreve uh, played Sam Giridet and Liam Daly. Um, and we, we basically played a two-man scramble. And, and so if you have a bad shot, you hope your partner has a good shot. And, and so we had a lot of fun with that. But we yeah, ended probably, up, probably no, no trash talking going on. Oh, gosh. <laughs> well, you know, truthfully, uh, uh, they, those guys don't talk a lot. So um, it's kind of fun, you know, like Sam Jarrett never says a word. So um, he can hit it 330 yards. And uh, yeah, so it's a while the way he hits a, a golf ball. But uh, yeah, it's uh, there isn't really a lot of trash talking. After you win, there is if I win. But other than that, <laughs> they're pretty humble if they win. All right. Last golf pro- question. I promise we'll get back to, to football. What's the strongest part of your game? Are you off the tee approaching the green or uh, making the money on the green and putting? Um, I would say I'm pretty steady at all aspects. Um, but, uh, you know, my best skill is probably coaching my partner Shreve because he's got, <laughs> he's the most mental uh, weak human golfer I've ever seen. <laughs> And so I got to line him up, even on the putting green, I got to line him up so he can, so he can make even a like a three footer. So, oh, geez. That's, and you put everything out, right? 
Oh, for sure. Yeah, no gimmies in our world. That's right. You have to. All right, Coach, I promised uh, we'll get back to the gridiron here as we wrap it up a little bit. And we talked a little bit about this the first time, just what Jared Bernhardt has meant to your program and the GLIAC Player of the Year, obviously. But uh, Pressbox Online did a little bit of a um, feature profile on him about um, what he's playing for and something that goes a little bit beyond um, his, his time as a lacrosse player at Maryland. And then of course, with you as the quarterback and just who he's playing for losing his father. And just for those that don't know, just what has his story meant to you as a coach and how have you seen it impact his teammates? Well, first off, like, um, and I think we, you and I have talked about this before, but my, that my dad was a coach, uh, 26 year high school head coach passed away on, uh, on January 13th when I was a senior in college. And so a very hard time for me. You, you faced the same thing with your father um, while you were in college. And, uh, and so Jared, um, you know, Jared, same situation. His dad was a coach and they have a great family. He's got two great brothers. Uh, um, you know, they're, they're very involved in, in uh, each other's lives, but um, his brothers are very, uh, very accomplished athletes as well, both pro lacrosse players and college lacrosse coaches. But it uh, that resonated with me when I read his story. You know, when I read his email that uh, just inquiring about could could he come play for us? I mean, that made me want him from the beginning. Um, but then his skill set, obviously, um, you know, it really makes you want him. And then. Um, you know, I always just believe in, in uh, the winner, uh, winner mentality and the winner, like, you know, when, when you win a high level, I don't care if it's bowling, golf, tennis, pickleball, whatever it is. If you, if you're used to winning at a high level, um, you know, a lot of things transfer over. And so I saw that from the beginning. And even though um, at the beginning, we're like, dang, this dude, he hasn't thrown a football in forever and is the ball is not spinning very well right now. And we just laugh about it now, but, but uh, you know, even though it looked like, you know, he didn't have the greatest capacity of throw, he's still a winner. And so, I don't know. I still think he's completing like 75% of his balls or something. Numbers aren't bad. (laughs) Yeah. And so, uh, you know, it it was just a great story and, and he is a great human being, like a great human being. And, it's one of those circumstances where you're just so proud um, to be um, just a part of somebody's life. You know, uh, it's why you coach. And so, um, you know, there's there's just certain guys that just, you know, you love them all. But there's some of them you're like, wow, I mean, this this is just unbelievable. And he's one of them. And and he's, he's such a humble young man. Like, I don't think he's ever thought he's ever had a good game at anything. And, uh, you know, my, my wife and I watched him through the whole lacrosse season. We watched every game just because we knew we were getting them. And, you know, he, he just never, you know, even, even when he scored like eight goals in a game, it'd be like, you know, uh, I, I, I still miss this part or miss that part. And that's how he's in football. Like if he has one bad play, that's what he focuses on rather than the 20 or 30 great plays. Yeah. Yeah. It's been really neat to watch and just the entire team, obviously the success speaks for itself. The postseason success, you have guys being named all over the 
uh, player of the years and, and first team Ogliak and that sort of thing. And you coach of the year. I know you hate when I talk about that, but it's still worth mentioning. So coach, I really appreciate you carving out some time uh, for us in a busy week. And, uh, and I hope we didn't go too long. You'll still be able to get home in time for dinner. Oh, I'll be home for dinner for sure. But uh, I've got a little bit more work here to do a uh, couple more hours and then, then I'll head out. So thanks Jake for having us. Uh, I think, uh, you know, you doing your part to just kind of promote GLIAC football has just been incredible. And, and uh, I know your, your family's great. You got a lot to be proud, proud of. And, uh, and uh, I want to just thank you for all the work you've done. Thanks coach. I really, I really do appreciate that. And, and all the best uh, on Saturday, looking forward to uh, another showdown. It'll be a battle, man. It's always a battle. And uh, both programs are really proud programs, even though, you know, everybody thinks, uh, you know, there's there's uh, animosity and things of that sort. There's still on our end, and, and I'm hoping on their end, there's just a lot of respect for what both programs have done. So, Absolutely. Awesome. I really appreciate it, Coach. Great stuff. Thank you. All right. My sincere thanks to TA, Tony Anise, for spending some time with us on GLIAC Football Weekly. Always a pleasure when we get to talk with Tony Anise. Always appreciate his sense of humor and his outlook on all things GLIAC football and Ferris State football and beyond. And the same can be said about Matt Mitchell. He's up next, so let's go ahead and dive right into it. Matt Mitchell, head coach of the Grand Valley State Lakers. We're continuing on with this special playoff edition of GLIAC Football Weekly. And time now to welcome on the head man, the Grand Valley State Lakers football program, Matt Mitchell. Coach, thanks so much for some time today. How are you? Doing great. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Fresh off the practice field, fresh off of a 20-3 to victory in the opening round of the playoffs over Lindenwood. Just your overall assessment of where you are in uh, one of the few teams that's still playing football. Yeah, I feel fortunate that we're in a one of 16 that's playing this weekend. Um, you know, uh, just in regards to the Lindenwood game, it was a really quality opponent, uh, GLVC champs that had beaten a Finley squad that was in the playoffs and had a close loss to Angelo State, who's, I think, one of the better teams in that region down there out of the Lone Star. So, you know, our, our defense played just lights out. Um, you know, we just really did a great job stopping the run. Um, you know, they had had some injuries at the quarterback position. So they had a, a, a quarterback that recruited that played a little bit of wideout that was playing quarterback that played for about four weeks. And I thought, you know, we did a good job trying to uh, keep him off balance with some different coverages and pressures and, um, you know, just trying to keep him in check a little bit. But man, they just, they just kept getting stop after stop. And we have not allowed an opponent to cross the goal line. We haven't given up a touchdown in two weeks and have just played some really, really good defense over the last four weeks. We've only given up two touchdowns the last four weeks. And so, you know, I, I think uh, our defensive front has always been real strong all season. I think what's happened, our secondary, we, you know, is, is starting to come into its own and uh, we're getting play out of our secondary. Uh, you know, special teams, we blocked two punts um, against Lindenwood, you know, and so I, we're doing doing some good things on special teams on the year. I think we've blocked uh, six total kicks and returned two for touchdowns and done some good things on that end. And then, you know, offensively, um, you know, it was, it was a little bit frustrating. Um, the yardage total, didn't exactly uh, match the points on the scoreboard. Um, that was really not a factor so much in turnovers, but it was just red zone. We got bogged down the red zone. Um, you know, I, I went fourth on fourth down a couple of times. We didn't get it and uh, had to settle for a couple of field goals. And, uh, you know, we just, uh, it, it was one of those deals watching the tape, which just, you know how it is uh, playing football. We're just like one block away, one uh, read by the running back away, one thing away. 
And, uh, you know, I think the other factor too, it's never an excuse this time of year. Um, you know, we, we had some receivers out. We got some guys that are, that are not playing at that position. Our quarterback uh, went out in the first half. I thought our backup, Cal Endicott, did a great job coming in and really uh, running the team the entire second half in a playoff game. And it was good experience for us. Um, you know, of 58 guys that dressed for playoffs, we only had nine that had played in a playoff game. And so 49 guys, that was our first experience. And I think it will help us this week because it was uh, – it was kind of when you get a playoffs, it can be dirty. It's not always clean, um, you know, and so it's kind of kind of find a way. And it was just happened one of those days where it was a defensive day. And that got take seven to six. I'll take 42, 41. You just have to try to find a way. And, uh, you know, I was glad that we kind of had that experience and our team, you know, stuck together. And in, in when things were not necessarily going, maybe the greatest uh, on the offensive side of the ball. Absolutely. And that's exactly where I wanted to, to segue into next, you know, is, is the cliche might go. You know, this time of year, you just survive in advance. But obviously, that's the mentality. And have you seen, and, and some of this just might be putting too much into just one playoff game, but kind of the personality or maybe the calling card of your team change a little bit from early in the season, a high-powered, you know, an offense that can score in bunches to now, you know, again, just one game, but a defensive dominant effort combined with special teams. And that's the type of stuff that travels. I completely agree, you know, and um, in our – uh, you know, throughout, even like on Saturday, um, you know, I think we rushed for 220 and gave up 20 yards rushing. And I know that the score wasn't a bigger differentiation, but as you mentioned, I completely agree with you, you know, and uh, you get in Michigan here, you start getting into the bad weather, like stopping the run and running the ball, that stuff does travel no matter where you go. Um, and so, um, yeah, I, mean, I think the biggest thing we've seen is that our defense um, is playing with a lot of confidence and continue to play, play well. Uh, for two factors, you know, I think one is we're healthy uh, on that side of the ball. We still are rotating guys. We have that depth and D line. That I know you mentioned uh, earlier in the season in some of your articles, we still have that. And that has definitely helped us down the stretch. And as I mentioned, you know, we've got some young guys, you know, um, one of the weeks, uh, Ian Canelli McKe- uh, against uh, Michigan Tech was a GLIAC defensive player of the week as a freshman. And then on Saturday, DeMonte McCurdy, who's a freshman, um, he had a pick and forced another fumble and played great at the safety position. So, you know, you're not you're not freshman anymore, but what you're seeing is the growth and development of those guys. They just continue to see more and more uh, schemes and just get more experience. There's really no substitute for it. Absolutely. And uh, I'm, I'm I, I did my best to hold off as long as I could before we dive into the, the specifics of this one. And uh, I know it's an audio medium here, but we both got a big grin on your face. Um, yep. This is what it's all about. And I'm not going to doctor it up with any fancy question. It's it's a heated rivalry. And in my opinion, the best Division II football you will see. We saw it earlier this year at Lubber Stadium, a spectacle unlike anything you really see at the Division II level. And just to have that opportunity to, to roll the ball out there and, and do it again, what's been the message all week? Well, I think the message, you know, has been uh, we just when the bracket comes out, I just try to everybody wants to look at seedings and try to extrapolate out, look at the, you know, all the stuff. And I had to keep my guys really focused on Lindenwood, but certainly they saw potential what was going to happen round two. Um, And now, you know, it's here. And, um, you know, the whole playoff uh, big picture is, you know, there's 28 teams get in and, you know, 27 of them. It's a really emotional locker room with a lot of seniors crying and one team um, is celebrating. And that's just the, the reality of it. And so each week you try to just keep that going and avoid that. You know, you go from being one of 28 to one of 16. And so Saturday we have the opportunity if we win to be one of eight. And uh, obviously that's against a really, really good Ferris State team. 
uh, a team that we have a lot of experience with and we know very well. So as opposed to Lindenwood, which we had never played before um, in the history of Grand Valley State football, we have a team that uh, we've played a lot and we've uh, both in 16 and 17, we played them twice and now we're playing them twice again. Um, so, you know, I, I think for us, um, we're excited about the opportunity. I had a team after the first matchup, um, we did some good things. You know, we did some good things. We didn't, we didn't go out there and get Ferris and just get rolled. Um, we, we did some good stuff. We also, you know, Ferris beat us and they did some great things too. I thought Jared Barnhart played phenomenal, especially on third down, made a ton of plays. You know, we really struggled to contain him and some of their skill set of receivers. And then they did a really good job uh, forcing some turnovers on us. They had two red zone turnovers that really turned the tide of the game. And so they won the game. Uh, we did not, but coming out of that game, we felt good about some of the things that we did. And so uh, as this team continued to improve, I have a locker room, like everybody, uh, every coach that's playing in the, the Sweet 16, uh, we have some confidence. You know, we have some confidence uh, in who we are uh, heading up to Big Rapids. And so uh, just rare that you get these opportunities in, in, in college football, you know, with the only 11 game season, when you lose a game, that you get a chance to play that same team again. And so it's a really unique opportunity. And um, I know our guys are really looking forward to it. I mean, I think it's Thanksgiving weekend here in, in the state of Michigan. I think there'll be a great crowd. You know, we had 17,000 at our, our, our place when we played them. I think there's going to be a great crowd just because there's a lot of interest in this. And as you mentioned, our super region is loaded. You have the final four teams are Ferris, Grand Valley, Harding, and Northwest Missouri State. And uh, I think we should be really fortunate here, you know, in the GLIAC that we got two of the final 16, you know, that are, in my opinion, some of the top teams in the nation in this particular super region. So, you're exactly right. It is going to be a heck of a game. It's a four quarter game. It's a, one of those games where every snap matters. Sometimes when you play a team, you can have a bad snap. Those things and still win the game. That's not going to be the case here. Every single snap is going to matter. Emotions will run high. Um, my message to my team has been that we got to use those emotions, that energy to fuel us, but it's still, you know, focused on the task at hand. And it's still going to come down to blocking, tackling, fundamentals, executing our schemes, offense and defense and special teams and finding a way to try to be, you know, one of eight when the game's over. Absolutely. And just, I mean, I'm, I'm feeling my blood's pumping right now. You get to start talking about it and it's, you know, here we are on, on Tuesday. How tough is that to kind of be on that, that, uh, that trajectory upwards where, you know, you want to make the most of every practice, but the, the game, and in some senses, yes, preparation is most important, but you, you, it's still not Saturday until the game is played. So is it difficult to try to ramp it up in, in, in some kind of a uh, rhythmic matter? Yeah. I mean, I think the challenge is um, more than anything that, you know, if the players, uh, you know, there's this is a big game, there's a lot on the line. And, you know, if you start thinking about that and thinking about the results of the contest too much, I mean, I'm sure it can be, I'm not going to use the word overwhelming, but the gravity of the situation, it certainly hits home. And so, you know, my, my biggest message is just get kind of lost in the details, you know, just kind of get lost in the details. I think even as a coach, you know, I've coached, um, you know, over 140 football games as a head coach. Um, I still think about the implications of Saturday, um, both for, you know, especially my seniors and this team, but I just get in here and watch a ton of tape on special teams and kind of pop in, you know, um, on the defensive offensive side of the ball and try to see how we're attacking things and what we're going to end up doing. And so as coaches and players, I really think that when you put those quote unquote blinders on and really focus on, on, on the details of your position, on the details of what you got to do to be, um, you know, one 11th offense, defense, special teams, your role as a coach. I think that that's where you get the best results. And so that's what I've been uh, trying to do. And, you know, but at the same time, you got 18 to 20 year old kids. And like, you know, my roster, I, I, my sophomore class is a, is, is a great class. I mean, you take a look at our, we have five starting alignment or sophomores, 
the two quarterbacks that have played sophomores, Abe Swanson, I think is one of the best defensive players in this league as a sophomore. Like we got a lot of freshmen and sophomores. And so um, for those guys, all this stuff is kind of new and it's exciting. You can feel their excitement. I don't want to tamper that Jake, like I try to beat them down, like let that use them to that energy and that enthusiasm, the passion they have for the game, the passion they have for this contest, but use it to fuel you to be great at the little details that you need to do to win. No doubt about it. And coach, I want to go back to one thing you started to allude to is just the, the depth of super region three. And I'm guilty of this. You know, we kind of put our GLIAC blinders on and even our Midwest blinders on, but to just kind of have a hold of the D2 scene from a national level to see how many good teams are in Super Region 3. And I know you and Mike Babcock were part of that uh, selection committee and just how that process works. Um, I guess we'll take it all the way from the top. Your role in the, as a part of the selection committee and just how that all unfolds to rank those teams in Super Region 3. Yeah, so, you know, there's there's eight people on the committee and there's four Super Regions in Division Two football and there's two representatives from each of the each of the regions. So as you mentioned, myself and then the head coach McKendry, Mike Babcock, who's the chair of the committee, um, we are, you know, two, two of the uh, eight. Um, so throughout the course, the last four weeks of the season, um, there's regional uh, ranking calls with a smaller a committee of eight in the region. And we're on that. And then they, they take all the teams and they rank them out. Then they put them on the national committee. Then the national committee takes a look at those regional rankings and decides, you know, um, who's going to be in the field first and then what the, what the seedings are of those teams in the field. Um, you know, and just to be transparent, let everybody know, uh, when it's time to talk about our super region, I get blacked out, I get kicked off the call. Uh, so I'm not a part of that. So, you know, we had been the three seed and then it came out there ended up a four seed. I didn't know that until I jumped back on the call and they informed me that, you know, that Grand Valley was the four seed. Um, and I understood why just given the metrics and everything that was kind of happening. So it's kind of a unique dynamic uh, because your head coach is in the field, but if your team is under consideration, you're not allowed to be on the call. So actually, you know, when I'm part of the discussion for Super Region 1, 2, and 4, but it's three time, they black me out. I'm out. I get kicked out. I'm just patiently waiting uh, for the text to come back in the call yeah. and kind of see, you know, what ends up going on. But um, I mean, not to interrupt you, but that sounds kind of horrible. You're just sitting there <laughs> helpless, right? Yeah, sometimes you question why you're on the committee, but no, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, it's uh, there's some anticipation about it, and then you know the division two model is really unique. They're they're trying to be budgetarily friendly, you know this Jake, and so they rank the top four, the bottom three in the region. You know they uh, they don't rank those five, six, and seven. They do the matchups based on geography uh, and trying to avoid flights to try to save money. And uh, in our particular region, Carney made it in, but they got shipped out of our region, and Central Washington got shipped in. And so we even had a flip and that was the first time that's ever happened in division two history with a kind of a switching out of those two, two, two schools. And so I just know, you know, we're looking at the records, the strength of schedules, all those things of the other regions. And obviously in the back of my head, I'm not trying to be a homer, but I'm like, my gosh, when you took a look at our region, it, it's crazy. You know, yeah. you could argue with West Florida getting beat in the first round, exactly. you know, that, you know, uh, four of the five, six top schools, you know, in the nation or potentially in our region, um, you know, Valdosta has done a great job, but Ferris state heading in the last week um, was the only undefeated team in division two, you know, and uh, Bowie state lost to an FCS opponent. So them and Bowie were both undefeated, but first was only a true undefeated. And you had all these one-loss teams. You had Harding, you had Northwest, you had Grand Valley, you know. And so uh, it was just, uh, you know, take a look at it. It's tough. And I think, you you, you know, you're going to see two uh, games in this region that I think are just going to be great games with Northwest going down to Harding and, um, you know, us playing Ferris State. And 
man, I'm biased. And if other people from the super regions hear this, um, no offense to it, but I really feel like whoever's the last man standing in our super region, you know, heading to that final four is, uh, I mean, we'll know one thing, Jake, they will be battle tested, um, getting to that yeah. being the regional finalist and then being the final four, you know, they're going to have to have beaten some teams and earn the right to be there. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, full transparency, we talked to coach Anise for this playoff special episode and, and echoed those same remarks that uh, it truly is uh, pretty impressive what Super Region 3 ha has to offer. And and just to kind of tie a bow on this, is that something you talk specifically with your team about? Or, you know, some guys, in my experience, you know, some guys were really into the whole D2 scene and then other guys were like, let's, you know, show up and play football. Yeah, I think... Uh... Sometimes with use, ignorance is uh, bliss. Uh, yeah, right. So, you know, I think there's some guys kind of talking about some things, you know, but I mean, I had to do some educating who Lindenwood was last week, you know, just to had a PowerPoint about where they're located, just kind of tell them what's going on because there's a lot of guys, Linden, you know what, you know, like this. So a little bit of that, they all know who Ferris is. There's no doubt about it. And I'm sure they've heard of Northwestern Harding, but yeah, I, I, I uh, same thing. I, I just I try to tell the guys, like I said, you know, at the, the about five, 10 minutes ago on this call that, man, looking at this bracket and trying to fill the bracket out like you're a college student trying to fill out the, the NCAA uh, men's basketball tournament round one, round two. Like, right. don't do that. You know, and I think the other thing, too, is that there's been so many times, Jake, that um, the national champ has not been the number one seed. Um, go back and look at the history and tradition of the NCAA playoffs. And so. Uh, for anybody to think, well, the number one team's got to, you know, they got to buy and they got the easiest path and that's going to end up happening. There's your guy right there. Um, that... Unbelievable. No professionalism. <laughs> I, I looked up to that guy at Tim Knott as, as a mentor. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I mean, take a look at West Florida in 2019, you know, they had a couple of regular season losses. And so at this time of year, it's a little bit like who gets kind of gets hot, you know, who's playing good football and um, you know, who, who's kind of playing well. And so uh that's the thing, you know, circling back to, to put a bow on as you put a point on it. What happened back in week six with Ferris is relevant, no doubt about it. But I think both teams have changed. You know, we played the first time around, uh, you know, Jared Barnhart played two games and then gotten injured and hadn't played a lot. And we hadn't seen, you know, he came in and he played great, you know, and, and it was like, wow, um, this guy's electric, does a lot of things, you know, and as he's played the last four weeks, we have a little more tape, at least on the starting quarterback and just, you know, things continue to change. Cade Peterson's changed. Um, Cal Endicott has had to play because Cade got injured. Um, you know, so we may have, we have a different guy uh, at quarterback than the first time we played him. So, you know, it, it, things change and, and we understand that we got to just got to take it this week. Just worry about this week. Absolutely. Well, coach, I know you uh, have far more important things to do the rest of this week that, than talk to me. And I, I really sincerely appreciate you carving out some time for, for Gliak football weekly. No, I appreciate it. Obviously uh, love Grand Valley, but Appreciate your interest in this league. I think we got uh, two really, really good teams in this conference. Saginaw, too, um, you know, going out down to Texas and Commerce and beating them. And I tell you what Michigan Tech did. We had to play them twice. Really, really tough. But Michigan Tech, uh, you know, ends up the third place team in our league and really has three losses, one to Ferris and two to Grand Valley State. It's a great job by Steve Olson and that crew this year, you know, and uh, just a lot of lot of quality football that's being played in this league. And I appreciate your interest in it. Oh, no doubt about it. The, the pleasure is all mine. And plus, I get to hang out with you and have to, you know, occasionally see Tim Nod over there. Too. Hey, hey, come on. <laughs> no, really, guys, I appreciate the time so much. And uh, best of luck this weekend. And we'll be dialed in. Thank you. All right. A huge thanks to Matt Mitchell and Grand Valley State for the time here on Gleak Football Weekly, the playoff 
edition of Gleak Football Weekly. And the stage is set. I've said it time and time again. Saturday, top tagger field, a rematch. Grand Valley State lost to Fair State in the regular season match when they were both in the top 10. Fair State number one in the country. And it's it's representing Super Region 3. And I know we've delved on into it. You can look at the bracket on d2football.com. But Super Region 3 is where the magic happens. It's the deepest region by far. Whoever is less left standing when the dust settles out of Super Region 3 is going to really, in my opinion, be the front runner in that final four to, to bring it home. But uh, my thanks to Tony Anise. My thanks to Matt Mitchell. It'll be an epic showdown this weekend at Top Taggart Field. Two of the best Division II football programs in the country, both hailing from the Great Lakes Intercollegiate Athletic Conference, and we are blessed to have it here in our great state of Michigan on the west side of the state, a west side showdown. So Saturday, one o'clock, all eyes on top Taggart field for that one. But as we wrap up this edition of GLIAC Football Weekly, I did want to give some, some shout outs for the postseason accolades that were earned by various um, student athletes throughout the course of this conference. Of course, the 2021 all GLIAC football teams. Congratulations to everybody on any of those teams. First team, second team, third team, honorable mention, just a uh, a, a real testament to the hard work to even be mentioned, but let's run through the player of the year awards and the coach of the year. I've mentioned it a couple of times, coach of the year, Tony Anise, congratulations to TA leading the Ferris state bulldog program. And really, I mean, just start at the top number one team in the country. And it's the third consecutive GLIAC championship for the Ferris state bulldogs, third consecutive unbeaten regular season and 10 and 0 regular season play, fifth championship and unbeaten finish in the past seven seasons. Just an unprecedented amount of success for Tony Anise and the Ferris State Bulldogs. The list can go on and on. I don't want to make it sound like I'm just, just showering their congratulations, but that's really what it is because they have earned it. Just a really incredibly decorated resume there for Tony and East and the Fair State Bulldogs. Congratulations to them. We'll work our way up here. Freshman of the year hails from the Upper Peninsula. Will Borchard out of Northern Michigan. Immediate impact in his first season with the Wildcats. And the defensive side of things, 112 total tackles, which was 11th in all of the NCAA Division II. That's better than 10 tackles per game. So congratulations to your freshman of the year, Will Borchert for Northern Michigan. Defensive back of the year out of Saginaw Valley State, Nick Whiteside. Congratulations to him. He and the Cardinals led the nation in total takeaways during the 2021 season. Congratulations to him. He had that huge game against Texas A&M Commerce where SVSU won it, and he had that pick six, which helped lead the Cardinals to that victory. Ten passes total for Whiteside. Ten interceptions total for Whiteside in earning that defensive back player of the year. Defensive lineman of the year out of Ferris State, Caleb Murphy. Congratulations to the sophomore. An impressive debut season for the Bulldogs. And again, the unblemished regular season. But uh, league best nine sacks for Caleb Murphy, Murphy, resulting in a loss of 77 yards in 10 games. Also 14 tackles for loss. Um, and in addition, he forced a pair of forced a pair of fumbles and recorded an interception, 43 total stops 
which was fourth amongst the Bulldogs. So congratulations to Caleb Murphy, defensive lineman of the year, offensive lineman of the year, also out of Ferris State, Dylan Pasquale. Congratulations to him. He was the leader of one of the nation's best offensive lines units this fall, third consecutive Biliac championship. And I know offensive linemen don't love when uh, you're giving them individual accolades for all about the team, but uh, he certainly deserves it as he helped pave the way for that rushing attack for the Ferris State Bulldogs that was uh, among the country's top scoring offenses this fall. So congratulations to Dylan Pasquale, and we'll just keep it rolling. Offensive back of the year, Tommy Scott out of Saginaw Valley State. Um, congratulations to him. 187 carries on the season for a career high, 1,044 yards, played in all 11 games for the Cardinals, 12 touchdowns, and the longest of them being an 89 yarder. So congratulations to Scott, who closes his SVSU, SVSU career with 2,680 yards, which ranks fourth on the Cardinal all-time list. Now, Player of the Year. We've talked about him a lot on this episode. He deserves it. Jared Bernhardt, formerly the Division I Lacrosse Player of the Year out of Maryland, showing his talents on the gridiron this year for Tony Anise and the Ferris State Bulldogs. And just incredible, incredible season for Bernhardt. And where, where do we even begin um, with, with him? He won Biliac Player of the Week. It seemed like every week, um, but... Um, he also was just a top playmaker in the country, 995 yards rushing, 16 touchdowns, all from the quarterback position, threw for over 1,000 yards in only seven games, completing 72% of his passes, nine touchdowns total through the air, 25 altogether, and yet another NCAA playoff berth for the Ferris State Bulldogs. And um Really just impressive season all the way around for Jared Bernhardt, tabbed as the GLEX Offensive Player of the Week five times this season, and D2.com National Player of the Week um, for his efforts. So Jared Bernhardt is your player of the year out of the GLEX. So one more time, Jared Bernhardt, Player of the Year, Tommy Scott, Offensive Back of the Year, Offensive Lineman of the Year, Dylan Pasquale, Defensive Lineman of the Year, Caleb Murphy, Defensive Back of the Year, Nick Whiteside, Freshman of the Year, Will Borchert, and your Coach of the Year, Tony Anise. So congratulations to everybody. Congratulations to everyone that made it onto any of the postseason teams, all GLEX. A tremendous honor representing this great conference. But we've got a playoff showdown in Big Rapids. Uh, be sure to tune in on Saturday, 1 o'clock. Um, you can get it on d2football.com. You can get it on the Fair State website. You can listen to the great call, um, whether it be the Grand Valley call, Tim Knott doing the, the color analyst there, or the Grand Valley, or I'm sorry, the Ferris State call with Rob Bentley and Sandy Goldston. They do a tremendous job, but you're going to want to tune in to GLIAC football. But until then, thank you all so much for joining me. Really appreciate it and hope you enjoyed this playoff edition of GLIAC football weekly. Until we talk next time, Jake Rima reminding you to have a great week. Go mad, go make a difference, and we'll talk to you next time on GLIAC football weekly. He's back. He's looking. Still looking. He's going for the end zone. He's got a touchdown! Thanks for listening to Gleak Football Weekly. Tune in next time.